This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Welcome to another edition of a Total Degenerate Podcast. I am your host, Michael Ellison. I have become obsessed with a new TV. Well, it's not a new TV show. It's a new TV show to me. Um, so let me give a little background on this. So um, back in the early 2000s, specifically uh, post 9-11, 2002, uh, HBO had a show uh, that would um, change the way cop shows were made for generations to come. Uh, on it, It's the best... Probably the best cop show ever made. Uh, that would be, of course, The Wire. Now, this isn't the show in question. I've seen and watched The Wire a thousand times, and it, it is by far uh, one of my all-time favorite shows. And it's, you know, it's not really, to be fair to The Wire, it is not a, it starts off as a cops and robbers type show. I guess in this case, cops and drug dealers. But ultimately, the show expands more into the greater city of Baltimore and goes into, you know, everything that makes the city the way the city is, right? It's a very um, deep and uh, well-thought-out and well-put-together television show about the city of Baltimore, and it's great. But it was originally started as like a cop drama, right? So that was, it was HBO's cop drama. So now, of course, other networks need to uh, respond to this. HBO, especially at that point, was clicking on all cylinders. The Sopranos had been out now for a couple of years and was doing very well. They also had Oz, uh, which was also doing very well. So HBO putting out their shows was starting to... uh, create a need in the uh, television world, right? These other channels had to figure out a way that they could compete with HBO because HBO had all the advantages because they could curse, they could have sex, they could do drugs. You know, they they could do R-rated television shows. And it was a brilliant uh, move by HBO to start making series as opposed to just doing movies all the time, because, like I just said, you can give the audience a television show that's R-rated. So, uh, yeah, given the uh, popularity of these HBO series and the, uh, you know, like I said, the R-rated versions of these shows, um, other networks had to react. Uh, Other networks had to try to, do what they could do best to um, match what these uh, uh, shows that were coming out on HBO. So in 2002, at the same time as The Wire was coming out, a different channel had their had an, their own series that uh, was a cop drama. 
that I'm guessing they wanted, to, they made to, to come out to compete with a show like The Wire because they wanted to make their own gritty, uh, dirt, you know, dirty cop show. And uh, that, of course, would be uh, a, a little show that was on FX called The Shield with Michael Chiklis. And this is the show I have been watching. And when I tell you guys, this show might be one of the worst written shows I've ever watched. I'm not exaggerating. And it's become my favorite thing ever, watching The Shield. I am absolutely obsessed with how ridiculously horrible it is. And it what's crazy is it this was critically acclaimed at the time when it came out. It was definitely winning awards. I'd have to look into exactly what they won. Uh, but people thought this was like a really good show. And like just for example, like on the wire they they would get a case and that would that case would be the entire season avon barksdale's crew was the entire first season of the show you know what i mean like cuz that's the real way like a high profile case would go it takes months to build up a case to put people in jail for the rest of their fucking lives like to expose a multi-million dollar drug ring, you're going to need to get a lot of information. You're going to get a lot of evidence to make that conviction hold up, to make that arrest hold up, you know? Not on the shield. On the shield, every crime is solved the day, the same day. And if it's not solved the same day, like, asses are on the line. Like, I was watching one episode with a captain. The captain is one of the most ridiculous characters on the show. But, I mean, the captain goes to the one detective. Now, this guy, for a whole season, has been solving murders. And, I mean, he even, he even caught a serial killer who killed, like, ten people. That took him, like, two episodes, though. To catch the serial killer took like two episodes. That's They showed that that was a little bit of a struggle. It didn't come as easy as all of the other murders he solved within 15 minutes. Um, so now, now he's, he's having trouble closing cases because the serial killer took two episodes instead of one. So now the captain's like, hey... Listen, pal, I can't protect you anymore. The higher-ups are not happy with your performance. It took him literally like a week just to solve 18 murders. And that, that's not good enough? Not on the shield at eight. So like, all right, how are we going to get him back? I don't know. I like every, it was just like, the way he solves, the way the detective solves every crime as he just sweats them out in an interrogation room. There's never any collecting of evidence. 
talking to witnesses, you know, actual police work, piecing things together, using circumstantial and physical evidence to create a narrative and a case, interviewing witnesses and whatnot, building up a... No, not, none of that. We just go, this motherfucker did it. We put him in interrogation and we don't stop interrogating him until they until they confess. And that's how every crime is solved on the shield. Is they just they instantly know who committed the crime. They drag him into a room and they just go, fucking admit you did it. We know you did it. Just tell us you did it. And they're like, no, I'm not gonna admit it. And that's 10 minutes into the, like, you could figure, all right, we're in the final act of, of this week's episode. It, now the guy's going to admit that he did it. And then he dies. Uh, it's, it's great. Honestly, it's a great show. I like uh, this. So there's like a back and forth between the captain and Vic Mackey. Now, Vic Mackey is Michael Chiklis' character. Michael Chiklis does a great job. I, I One thing I will say is he plays this dirty cop perfectly. He's like the good, he's like the perfect blend between, like, good cop and horrifically evil, corrupt cop. Where, like, some days he's like, you know, hey, this guy's beating his wife. I'm going to arrest him. And then the next day he's like, I'm going to beat this hooker so she can get away with murder. Um, which was an actual episode. That actually did happen. He does pommel a hooker so he can make it look like she was in a struggle so she can uh, get away with a murder. Um, but my favorite part of the show is that... So the captain is like politically juiced and he's trying to run for office. But he, part of part of his original thought process was, I'll be politically more upgraded if I can catch the corrupt and evil Vic Mackey doing corrupt and evil shit. But he never does. He never does catch him. So if you can't beat him, join him. So the captain goes, hey, Vic, I know you're doing corrupt shit all the time take and bribe some drug dealers and shit like that. I'm pretty sure you murdered a cop. I want to team up with you, though, because I don't need any headaches. I'm trying to run for county office or whatever the fuck political position he's trying to go for. So Vic is like, all right, I'll take you up on your after, Captain. We work together now. So it's basically... Now the captain is covering up for Vic's crimes. And it's pretty obvious what Vic's crimes are because Vic likes to announce that he's going to like do some criminal shit basically every time he's about to do some criminal shit. <laughs> it's like every episode. Like every episode starts with the captain being like, all right, we got this guy and he's out there. He's out there murdering kids in our city. We gonna let this guy get away with it. I want everybody, everybody get ready to hunt down this maniac. But we gotta do it. 
by the book. I don't want anybody going rogue. Everybody's got to go by the book. Right? And then Vic Mackey will stand up in the meeting and go, Screw that, Captain. Me and my boys are going out to hunt. And then it'll just, like, cut to them, like, choking out some black dude on the side of the road. Like, give us a fucking name, scumbag. And it's like, yeah, this is just, this is the greatest show. It's, I'm only a couple seasons in. But it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be slowing down with horrible plot lines. Like, I think the last, like, they're going to, they're going to rob a bunch of drug dealers in the next episode. I'm excited to see where this show goes. I mean, I know that it ended in 2009 or some shit, but I mean, sometimes the best things in life are worth worth waiting for. And that's that's part of it, too, that I, I think makes the show great is that it's you think of the way people are, uh, you know, nowadays with like the PC stuff and. You know, everybody gets offended by certain words. Um, yeah, uh, every one of those words that offends somebody is on the shield. Every episode, there's like a new ass backwards plot that, um, you know, nowadays we never get greenlit. Like there's one where one of the street cops, he's like a church going Jesus freak. But he also he's gay. And uh, he hates himself for being gay. And uh, he decides to go to, like, church conversion camp. He, he opts, in, opts in to go have Jesus freaks tell him that, no, God doesn't want you to like dick, even though you like dick. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, and then he just, like, converts and gets married that like that's it that's what he's like no nah, i'm all better now i'm not gay anymore i i went to jesus camp and it's like wait what wait they're not they're they're not addressing this any further that this isn't just part of a longer plot line where he's gonna realize who he truly is and how he can't live this lie that he's straight like, right? That's going to happen, right? Not on the fucking shield, it ain't. At least not yet. I'm out of it. The last I saw, he was getting pummeled by his fellow police officers. I think that's where his storyline ends. Is that he be gay, converts to Jesus freak. Well, he was always a Jesus freak. and he, I, I don't know. And now he just gets beaten to death. That's how things happen on The Shield. I highly recommend the show. I think it's hilarious and, you know, it's fun for the whole family. So we uh, finally got, I, I think I mentioned this maybe last week, we got the restaurant part of the uh, store open, right? right? So the, the pizza place that I work at is no longer about to, on the verge of collapse. We are now open again which is nice. It's a nice thing to still be employed and not have it completely crumble. But, um, you know, uh, we've now been doing uh, a lot of staff meetings. I don't, uh, 
I'm not particularly fond of staff meetings. I mean, I miss the way we used to do it. The way we used to do it would be, you know, if somebody was screwing up, if things weren't going the way management wanted it to, my boss would just single somebody out and curse them out like a psychopath and berate them like in front of customers and uh, other employees and go absolutely berserk on them for whatever minor mistake they made and uh, tear their world apart and call them a piece of shit, loser, scumbag because they like burned a slice of pizza. And I personally, uh, I preferred that. You know, um, I like that because, not because it was nice, it was definitely uh, emotionally uh, taxing, make you feel like dog shit, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I felt all warm and fuzzy inside when the one time, I, I got cursed out one time by my boss because I brought him his ice cream in the wrong container, he wanted it in a plastic container and the Carvel people gave it to me in a paper container and me not you know thinking about what the soft serve ice cream container like was made of I brought him back the ice cream foolishly and he cursed me out and called me a fat piece of shit and an idiot for bringing him the wrong ice cream container um, I, I believe he, he kept repeating fucking moron as I was walking out the door to go get his container switched. So I, I had to go back to the Carvel that he got the, uh, that he asked me to go get the ice cream from. I'd be like, can you put this in a plastic container instead of a paper container? And they were like, what's the difference? It's the same size. And I go, I know that. But the lunatic that I got to bring this ice cream to doesn't. And he's convinced himself that he needs to have it in the plastic container. I think also because he's kind of, he's he's mentally not well. And he has to drum with his spoon on the side. Of it and he likes the noise that he gets from the plastic as opposed to the paper. So that's why he needed to, it was important for him to, uh, call me a like worthless sack of shit and send me back to the Carvel because he needs to drum on the side of the container and he doesn't like the noise the paper one makes. Um, it's not like he saves the ice cream. Like I understand some people could be like, well, Mike, what happens? Maybe the plastic holds up better than the paper. No, he ate all the ice cream in one sitting like immediately. Like, ferociously, like somebody was going to take it away from him because he was an abused, fucking demented child. I, I don't really know. But that's, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. My point is simply that as abusive uh, of a situation as that could be, um, it was quick. It was over. It was like pulling a Band-Aid. He cursed you out for five minutes. And then it was done. And, you know, you didn't feel good about it, but at least it was over. Now the meeting, it's like it's making you feel that same level of bad, but now it, it lasts like an hour. 
We got to sit there and just go in circles over the same shit. And it's absolutely torturous. Where it's just like, all right, well, you know, somebody's got a mop at the end of the night. We Like, things that are obvious. Like, no shit. You got to clean the store every day. That's part of it. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Good thing we had an hour-long meeting so we can get that point across. This was a necessary, I feel like, so much better that we had this really productive meeting. Like, isn't work alone a meeting? Like, we're all, we all work here. So when we come to work, we're kind of having a meeting there. We're, we're meeting to work. Why not, while we meet to work, we can meet to meet? You know what I'm saying? We, we don't have to have a separate work meeting to uh, discuss the work at a meeting. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, uh, it feels dumb, because it is dumb. It's very dumb. And the meetings always end the same way. That's the other problem with the meetings, is that... It always kind of just goes into a fucking crazy tangent about how how much money my my boss is making, you know, he which is never enough. You know, he's like, I'm not making enough money. And he'll start going into things that are none of our business, that like have nothing he'll be like, you know how much three kids alimony costs? Like, what does this have to do with the pizza? Can we focus on the pizza? Not your, you know, whore of an ex-wife that's taking you for our money. You know, I. it's just not, um, you know, it's not necessary. It's a not, it's a not necessary element of the work meeting is the personal sharing that can go on during the work meeting. Uh, the worst part about the work meeting is uh, the coworker I hate. It's I feel, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I feel very strongly that it's important to have somebody at work that you hate. You should not like everybody you work with. That should be the way it is. It's an important part of life. I think it's also a helpful thing where you get to. It helps you, you know, get a little venting out where you can go. Every day, you just, you have somebody to blame, you know what I mean? Be like, fucking Bob sucks, you know, whatever, you know, whoever Bob is in your life, like, you just, you kind of take a little bit of your day out on him, indirectly, but it's necessary. Imagine being one of these people that actually like everybody they work with. That That's fucking insanity. Like, you're mentally unwell. If you actually pretend to like everybody that you work with that or you're just you're just, a, you know, I mean, you're just lying, I guess. But if you honestly believe it, then I think you need to get checked in for some sort of psychological help because there's no way everybody hates somebody they work with. I'm not saying you got to hate everybody. I'm not saying you got to hate multiple people. I'm just saying there's got to be at least one person that when you see them at work, you oh, this fucking asshole. Everybody's got one. And I know mine 
right now. She is, she is absolutely the bane of my existence. And the reason why is because she's one of these people that can't just ask a question. She can't just ask a question. She always has to start it with, I have a question. Just ask the question. You don't have to announce that you have a question. Just ask it. If it's if the floor is open for questions, you don't need to say, I have a question. It's an unnecessary sentence. Just get to the fucking point. Not to mention her questions are dumb. They're dumb fucking questions. It'd be like, what do we do if like a robber comes in the store and they ask for all the money in the register? You give it to them. What, do you, what the fuck do you mean, what do you do? Nobody's like, grab the pie peel. Defend the fucking register with your life. I have a question. Of course you do. Because this meeting was about to be over. But now we got to sit here for another 10 minutes while you ask questions. What happens if... And it's always a dumb what happens if. Things that aren't going to, what happens if a stegosaurus is stomping down? It's not happening. This isn't Jurassic Park. So, yeah, I I hate work meetings. And I'm, I'm tired of having to go to them. I really just hope we're done at this point. Like, I hope everything just kind of starts running smooth again. And we don't have to do another meeting anytime soon because... They're draining me. They're draining the force out of me. Like, uh, you know, any life force that's left in me is being slowly sucked out of my asshole every time I got to sit back and listen to another line of questioning of what if scenarios that are not going to happen at work? What if blah, 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 and blah, like just enough. Don't be a loser, don't be a bum, don't be a coward, don't be a fucking waste of life. Um, Start subscribing, start rating, start reviewing. This podcast, um, I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand more times. I'll, it's like I say it every episode, you know? Uh, follow the podcast on Instagram at a total degenerate podcast. That's on Instagram. Insta. So the kids call it Insta. I remember when an Instagram was, uh, I don't know, a very reliable drug dealer, I guess. You get it? Instagram. All right. Yuck. Besides, there was no, no such thing as a reliable drug dealer. I mean... Drug dealers are highly unreliable. You know, that's at least in uh, my, you know, limited experiences. I would say, uh, especially the weed dealers, because that's really the only ones I've ever had to deal with. And they, uh, you know, they can be very uh, not uh, on time. You know, they're not punctual people. There was no such thing as a. Instagram. Anyway, Jesus. Yuck. So, uh, yeah, follow the podcast on Instagram at a total degenerate podcast. 
Subscribe, rate, review. Say some nice things in the comments. Um, you know, a Mother's Day is uh, around the corner. And, uh, you know, you don't want to disappoint your mother. So don't not listen to this podcast because then she'll be sad. You know, that would make most moms sad. I actually, I do very well with the mothers. Uh, you know, women over the age of 50 seem to love me. I don't know what it is. I guess I have a a young boyish charm to me or something. I, I don't know, but I do well amongst the older ladies. So, hey, listen, here's the bottom line. If you want, if, you know, you want to avoid me fucking your mom, you should uh, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. For all those who have done that already, I, as always, would like to say thank you. Thank you. There you go. I'll say it louder. Thank you. So one of the great parts about being back into the comedy world is now I'm, I'm involved in all the, the Facebook groups. We got the local Long Island comedy scene Facebook group where, you know, we have some of the greatest meetings of the minds ever assembled. So in this week's, um, basically, in this week's edition of dumb manifested, like, like manufactured drama, what apparently happened was there was an open mic uh, I don't know if it was Sunday night or Monday or whatever day it was, but this guy uh, noticed that a couple people had left during his set and this upset him. So he made a post on the page for the Facebook, the, the local scene Facebook thing, and he was like, hey, just so you know, all you young millennials... If you leave an open mic early, it's very unprofessional. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah it was very unprofessional. Uh, I don't look at my phone. I don't read my notes. I pay attention to every comic. If you want respect, you need to show respect. Right? So there, there he's, there's his big dramatic post. So, of course, I mean, it's like a couple hundred comedians in this group. So now, you know, it's the jokes start flowing and uh, the jokes start flowing. But then there's also like legitimate backlash. Like there was a couple of comedians who are actually pissed that were like kind of saying, fuck this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know this dude at all. Matter of fact, you can't even friend request them, which is a little weird. Uh, but I'm just like going through the comments and they're fucking hilarious. This is what it's all about. Reading 50 comment long fucking threads about open mic etiquette. I mean, he's not completely wrong. Like I will say as an open mic host, I do prefer when... Uh, the majority of the comics stay. 
You want everybody to stay and support the other people, not just run in, do their set, and run out. That's kind of, it is kind of shitty. But extenuating circumstances, you know, people have lives, they have jobs, maybe they're trying to get to another mic so they could do another set. Um, you know, people have kids, you know, whatever, you, you, you get it. Like, you can't always, you can't always expect people to stay to the bitter end every time. You'd like to see people stay when they can, but they're not always going to be able to. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, there's a reasonable response. But then what made this particular post that much more fun was that then one of the comics actually wrote about how the guy who's complaining that people walked out during his set actually got drunk and heckled one of the other comics out of Mike, which is like, you want to talk about being unprofessional. You're a comedian going to an open mic and you're going to heckle one of the other comedians on the open mic. It doesn't get any more unprofessional than this. That's about as unprofessional and disrespectful and just shitty of a look as you could possibly have. It's fucking, it's great. I I love it. I hope all these people show up to my open mic to uh, every Thursday, Scotty's Pub, West Saville. I hope they show up and we can have a big, a big comedian brawl, which wouldn't really be a brawl at all. It would be a bunch of fucking whiny little bitches because comedians are whiny little bitches for the most part. That's why this is a whole drama to begin with. And I just all sit there and just fucking cry at each other, basically. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm i not trying to trash everybody, but it kind of sounds like I am. But it is, it's just funny. It's just funny. You know, I mean, I imagine getting this worked up. Imagine getting this worked up that people walked out of your set during an open mic. I, I just can't fathom being that crazed about it it's literally it's like saying you know people didn't go to your football practice or your little league baseball practice it's practice we ain't talking about a game we're in here talking about practice supposed to be the franchise player and we in here talking about practice it's a little Allen Iverson reference for those that are old enough to remember. Anyway, I, I guess I should plug my dates, which is very important at this point because I got to sell some tickets. The producer for one of these shows recently hit it. He's like, guys, we, uh, we got some work to do. We got to sell some tickets. ABC, always be closing. Get the people out to the fucking show. We got to sell them t- these tickets or... Or things aren't going to go well. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. That type of thing. So, anyway, uh, I got two dates coming up here in May next week. Uh, kind of book, bookmarked around Mother's Day, basically. So, Saturday night, May 13th, McGuire's Comedy Club, 9.30 show start. 
yeah, Terry McNeely and Friends is the name of the show. I'm part of the Friends. I'm not Terry McNeely. I'm Mike Ellison. I'm the host of this podcast. You know that. Anyway, very funny lineup. That I'm very excited for that show. It's it's honestly, it's, I, I one of the other comics on the show said said this to me. He goes, you know, dude, that show we have like a fucking lineup of murderers, and he, and he's right. It's straight killers on that show, and you will fucking cry, piss yourself laughing. So, I highly recommend coming out for that one. That is Saturday, May thirteenth, McGuire's Comedy Club, Bohemia. Should be a fun one. You can get your tickets now at govs.com. Uh, if you check the Instagram, I will put the link in the bio. The link for the tickets will be in the Total Degenerate Podcast bio, and you can click the link, and that's how computers work. Remember that. So, uh, yeah, get tickets for that. Um, Also doing a very fancy show at the wonderful Butera's Restaurant right in my hometown of Sayville. Sayville, New York, where I grew up, my old stomping grounds. And now I'll be doing a show at a family-style Italian restaurant. Just what I dreamed of when I was a little boy. Uh, but yes, that is May 15th. That is a Monday night. I believe that is a... Let's check this showtime on that. I believe it's a 7 o'clock showtime. But can I talk long enough till I find the picture of the thing that tells me when everything... No, that's not it. That's not it either. Where is it? Hold on. Here we go. 7.30 showtime. 6 p.m. dinner. Right, so it's dinner and a show. Dinner and a show. And Buteris is good food. That's some good fucking good eats there. Family-style Italian food. So, uh, yeah, that should be another fun one. That is Monday, May 15th. So, Saturday night, May 13th. McGuire's Comedy Club Bohemia. Monday night, May 15th, Sayville, Butera's Restaurant, dinner and a show, uh, all worth it. You should come out to these shows and support uh, local comedy, stand-up comedy, live comedy, me. I mean, I'm going to be one of those people, like, hashtag 5,000 things. Also, every Thursday night, uh, yeah, Scotty's Pub, West Sayville, uh, open mic, I, I host, you can... You can come down and watch. You can come down and perform. Maybe you're a stand-up comic and you don't know where you could do sets. Maybe you've always wanted to try it and you want to come bomb for the first time at Scotty's. You're welcome to do so. So come on out. You know, uh, and while you're at it, we, we can watch a couple episodes of The Shield. We can uh, dissect how Vic Mackey is going to Murder a minority to save his job. <laughs> That's basically every episode of the show. Anyway, I got to get the fuck out of here. It's been real. Till next week.